Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Peverell and I'm your host of this weekly show. And as you will have just heard, I just called it Steelers War Room. That's right. If you missed last week's episode, we've now decided to move Cap Room to being called War Room. As we as we lead up into, to free agency in a couple of weeks' time um, and the start of the, league, the new league year, as we move into that draft period, we really wanted to sort of change it up a little bit in terms of, yes, the cap's still going to be really important, but we also wanted to be able to give it a flexibility to cover the draft. As I said in the last week's show, if you missed out on that, you know, we very much want to look at team needs. Um, that's what this offseason is all about. It's not solely about the free agency and then the Steelers, Steelers cap room equally. You know, you need a certain amount of cap to sign your rookies um, as well. So what we really wanted to do is move it over so that, you know, we can give a really good handle in terms of how the Steelers are going to fill these team needs so that they're competitive in 2021. Now, lots to cover in today's show, so I'm going to move pretty quickly through a few things. Um, but just to tease it, we're going to give in a moment. I'm going to give you an overall um, update on where the Seals' salary cap is sitting, just like I have with Cap Room. We're going to look at, um, you know, interesting. We're going to quickly cover a look at the JJ room um, rooms of the Steelers and how it didn't work out. I'm going to try and have a quick look at Sutton Hilton um, as well, which I, I sort of mentioned last week. 
Um, we have a look a little bit at the defensive line if we can in part one. Um, and then in part two, I've got some really interesting draft information as well. I've done a bit of listening. I've done a bit of profiling. So I'm going to go through a couple of picks that, you know, the Steelers are being rumored to looking at, but also, you know, a little bit, I'm going to start a bit of a big board for myself and, you know, it might not be round one this week, but there's some interesting picks that I think the Steelers could make or some key players I'd love to go for. So I'll, I'll tackle that in part two, but let's get into it. So quick update on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers salary cap, you know, current situation. So currently the Steelers are 27th in the league for having the least amount of cap. So New Orleans Saints right now are minus 66 million. Um, Philadelphia minus 40. Los Angeles are minus 28.3. Kansas 19.3. Atlanta 15.8. Pittsburgh Steelers 7.292. So 7.3 basically there. Um, that's really interesting when you when you look at that. And that's from that top 51 perspective there. Now that's according to Spot Tracker. Um, sorry, spot track, which I, I've been looking at and balancing um, lately against uh, over the cap, which is my usual sort of go-to for all things, you know, salary cap. Um, now, those numbers I gave you are based on a $185 million salary cap, there, which would be 13.2 less than the 2020 cap. According to over the cap, the Steelers are, again, they're working from a similar number there. Um, the top 51 right now are costing $187 million, um, which, which is pretty close to, to what SpotTrack are doing there. They've got it at about 188 I think, current. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there. Um, and then the team cap space for over the cap is about $11.722 million. So... Um, that's what sort of what we're over now that factors in, um, the retirements of Pouncey and McDonald. So we're still living million with those. It also factors in the Hayward restructure, which moved his cap number down from about 14 and a half million to 7.4 for this season. So when we look at that, the Steelers have still got a bit of work to do before this late new league year starts and to be cap compliant come the new league year. Where can they do that? Well, we're not going to go deep into that in today's show, but effectively we've still got Ben's contract to work out. And and quite frankly, I, I record this live on my Wednesday night. Um, so very early in the morning on Tuesday, um, Wednesday morning, sorry, for, for you guys over there in the US. So by the time this goes to air, who knows what could have been worked out. But with each week, I've thought that, and then it's turned out that we've not necessarily had anything there um, that's that, that's come to fruition. But I do think we'll see an update about Big Ben, um, you know, in the coming days, if not week ahead. Um, so again, Big Ben, there's $19 million which needs to shift there. If you could shift 11 of that, suddenly you're cap compliant. Joe Hayden is a big question, and we'll get on to him when we talk about um, a little bit about Hilton and Sutton there. Um, from a Stefan Tuit perspective, expect a restructure or an extension. I've advocated in previous shows, and you can go back and listen to those, why it should be an extension. Um, same thing with Stephen Nelson. You can extend him and, and, and shift some of that money around. I'm not, I don't want to use the word restructure, but in terms of that, you can technically restructure um, some of the different financial terms he's getting. But for all intents and purposes, I'm saying extend, and then you can spread out numbers. Again, David DeCastro is another one. You could look to do the same thing in front up with a signing bonus. The other big question is Eric Ebron, but I'm actually going to address him when we talk later about um, one of those players on my big board, if you like, for the draft, because you know, Eric Ebron's got a cap number of eight and a half million, which as I shared last week is actually about level with the franchise tag for tight ends. So he really needs to be a top 10 tight end in the league. 
if we don't think he's going to be that, well, then his, his space on this roster is in consideration. Equally, I've advocated in previous shows why you'd want to potentially look at extending him and lessening that cap hit this year because there's $6 million to be saved there. Um, and there's there's cheaper things we can do at tight end. As I go to air as well, today we had Kyle Rudolph released. Um, Zach Ertz is not going back to the, to the Eagles there. So the, the tight end position's in a bit of flux there. I think there are a lot of teams looking to get younger. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there come the draft with Kyle Pitts and Pat Freeman, for example, key players there. But um, again, what are the Steelers going to do with Eric Ebron in that sense? Vince Williams, another one we've sort of talked about where I'd love to keep him, but that $4 million hit looks pretty, pretty steep at this stage with him. Apart from that, though, there's not a lot the Pittsburgh Steelers um, can do when it comes to some of the other cap savings, unless we look at cutting like Cameron Canada and what have you. But from a $2 million perspective and up, um, they're the sorts of movements that we could see we could see there. So moving on to the next part that I wanted to cover as well is just quickly covering JJ. So the rumors were that the Steelers were riding on JJ Watt and bringing all three Watt brothers to Pittsburgh with finalizing that JJ. Like, I guess it's like getting that stone, um, you know, for, for Thanos's fist so that he's got all those stones there and he, you know, he's got all those powers, but um, you know, interesting. The Steelers thought they could front up 10 million. In my mind, if you can front up 10 million for JJ, there should be 10 million to keep Juju. Now that, as I said, um, that sort of takes those JJs and plugs them into Juju. But, you know, I do think you could try and get Juju for 10 million this year. And I do think he will be sorely missed on this wide receiving core. But there's so many needs to fill. And $10 million, you know, might get you two offensive lineman needs, whether it's a it's a veteran center like a Matt Skura um, or, or whether it's a, you know, bring back our Villanueva or Villanueva for one more year. You know, it, there's things that you can do. There is it a Corey Lindsay at 11 million. Can you find that 1 million more if you really want to shore up the line? So, you know, there's things you can do with that 10 million there. Interestingly, I went to the Cardinals. I predicted that. Um, and I'm going to call that uh, in the VTSC Slack channel. And I think I mentioned it on, on one of in our podcast uh, podcast as well. One, one of the cat room ones, when I did look at the JJ part, um, Cardinals make sense for me. I think they're really reading into the playoffs and that's smart from JJ. Sad not seeing him in a Steelers jersey, but not surprised. So the next piece that I wanted to cover was around the cornerback position. Um, I had a few questions um, from some fans over email this week about the, the defense, and I have covered that a couple of shows ago. But like I mentioned last week, I've been I've been going through and sort of digesting and when we'll do over the next couple of shows the um, – the over the caps sort of salary guide for this year's free agency. And one of the interesting key pieces was they've covered Mike Hilton as, as one of these key 80 or so players. They haven't covered Sutton, which is, which is interesting for me. I, I sort of think when I've looked at it, he probably falls just outside some of those key positions, those sort of key free agents at the various positions and equally the money side. But Cam Sutton offers a lot for the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of coverage. Um, Obviously, you've got Hilton in the slot, and Hilton's been really key to the Steelers' defense, but his relevance and role with other defenses around the league is is, is potentially questionable. Equally, slot corners can command a lot of money. This year, free agency is a very interesting scenario where the cap number is small, but there'll be a lot of key, like big name players or previously big name players or players with proven performance that do sign to quite minimums. I sort of discussed how 
I'd be open in, in whether this show and touchdown under that I co-host with Mark Davison, which goes live on YouTube every Saturday evening. Um, over there, Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. in the U.S., and, and, and we record, you know, live from the future on Sunday morning our time. We've talked about the fact that I'm more open, and I, and I talked about it with Jeff as well when he when he guest starred in for Mike. Um, sorry, not for Mike, not for Mike Hilton. Uh, when he when he guest starred in there for Mark, and and sort of this, I'd be open to getting cutting Hayden um, to keep both both Hilton and Sutton in terms of what it can do with that secondary equally. There's this thought that can, can Joe Hayden move into a Deshae Townsend sort of role and go down into the the slot if you had to lose Hilton or can he go down and play a bit of safety on the right plays and what have you. There's, there's options in terms of what Hayden might transition to as he loses some speed as he gets older and still takes advantage of his great football IQ. But I want to quickly look at it this. So Sutton's not in this guide. I've gone back and suggested that you could probably get him on a multi-year deal of three or four years um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think you could probably get away with giving him some form of cap number um, closer to sort of that 2.66 million mark um, for this year. I think that that that's a real opportunity um, when it comes to, when it comes to Cameron Sutton in terms of being able to keep him look, whether the Steelers are, are going to be able to do that or not, you know, it will be interesting to see, um, to see there. But what I can do is basically talk to you about what Mike Hilton's been. So when it comes to over the cap, they're sort of seeing it. Um, he, he could be, a, he's a really, he's really persevered to become a quality NFL corner. He was an undrafted free agent. He was rewarded with a second round tender this previous year. Um, he's a pure slot corner until this year. Um, and he plays about 60% of the time in the Steelers defense. So he plays 60% of the snaps. Um, he played only 43% this year due to his shoulder injury where he missed four games. Um, he, over these last three years, he's been graded very well by pro football focus um, in terms of coverage, 75.3 for people that follow PFF. This year, he went down to the low 60s. Um, salary cap is a real reason um, the Steelers could potentially lose him. He's an undrafted player who's 27, not 25, and he lacks the higher end upside. So that could cost him. Um, in terms of statistical comparisons in his position, and I sort of took you through these um, last week with a couple of key positions. So the average um, for two years prior to signing of some key relevant um, or like for like or similar cornerbacks is average play time of 52%, games played 28, slot snaps 8 of 79.5, target rate 13.8. Um, interceptions three, um, broken up passes 9.2%, average yards per coverage snap of 0.99, yards per target 7.13, and an average quarterback rating of 87.4. In terms of playtime, um, Hilton has just above the average at 53.8%. Um, Brian Poole had the highest there of 72.3. Um, lowest was Anthony Brown with 46.8. Games played, he has 28, so he has exactly that average. Um, so he was about mid-range for some of those comparable cornerbacks. Um, in terms of slot snaps, he's played 73.9%. That's sort of almost over five below the average um, that was toward the lower end amongst Justin Coleman, Jonathan Jones, Brian Callahan, Anthony Brown, and Brian Poole that he was compared to. His target rate was higher than the average. So his was 16.1%, and that was second only to Jonathan Jones at 19%. Um, 
His interceptions, he had four, so he equaled Brian, Bryce, and Jonathan um, equal there on four. Anthony Brown had a low of one, Justin Coleman three. Um, pass percentage broken up, he was below the average at 8.7%. Um, at 8.7% there, average was 9.2. High was 11.5 with Anthony Brown. Um, yards per coverage snap, so he let about, 0.2 more yards um, than the average and the second highest behind Jonathan Jones um, and yards per target. He was slightly over the average and he was the second highest there. His quarterback rating, interestingly though, was the third lowest. Um, Bryce Callahan had a lower quarterback rating, um, but Hilton was 83.7 under that average of 87.4, which I said, um, interestingly, a name like Brian Paul had 86.1, Anthony Brown, 97.1. So you can see there that that Mike Hilton is playing a lot less snaps. That's due to a little bit of injury. Um, but, you know, he's, he's quite similar to Jones. And Jones was a 26-year-old undrafted on the Patriots who signed a $7 million extension while he was tended at the second round level. They've got similar statistical profiles and Jones was nothing more than solid when re-signed. Um, OTC considered the upside comparison um, if he was to get an offer from Pittsburgh before free agency. Without that offer, he runs the risk of falling into the low end of the group. He could well end up like Paul as an undrafted free agent who ends up going back to the original team on a one-year contract. Um Look, over the cap project, you know, Mike Hilton's sort of free agency um, sort of outcome to be really dependent on what Steelers can or can't offer. Um, he does offer fits for different teams, but, you know, going into free agency, there's some risk for Hilton. Um, and their project, he's a pure slot guy and he's only going to be on the field in certain packages. Obviously, we know this Pittsburgh Steelers like to use him in those. And so that the OTC did basically sum it up a projecting him to sign a three-year contract of five million per year, per year with eight million guaranteed. Now that's really big because if 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 there's a suggestion there that Hilton he could test the open market and find out that no one wants him. If that's the case, could the Pittsburgh Steelers offer him like four point two million? Now I know right now the Pittsburgh Steelers are eleven over the cap, but as I said, you can do things with to it in terms of restructure or ex- through an extent and, and or an extension. And an extension would be smarter in my book. Same with Nelson De Castro, you could extend for a year or for two years even and have a dummy you know year or a fake year if you like. Ben's contract's going to be reworked. You can do this to keep Hilton. Equally, as I said, Joe Hayden. If you were to cut Joe Hayden, there's about seven million in cap savings there. That could be enough to keep both Hilton and Sutton, but you might not even have to do that. Um, so yeah, at three years, five million per year, per year, eight million guaranteed. You know that would put him in a reasonable slot there. That would be equal to Brian Paul, as I mentioned there. He's not going to get Jonathan Jones or Justin Coleman money at nine million or seven million. That was their previous contracts, um, sort of average pay per year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I guess what I really wanted to cover, which I didn't get to last week, was that. Sutton and Hilton are possible and Hilton's a lot more possible than what we might've thought even a few weeks ago, as we've seen the salary cap floor rise slowly and we're at that 180 million mark and it might be a 185 million. And obviously the steals have got that 4.9 rollover. There is an opportunity for, for Sutton and Hilton to stay on this roster and even still keep Hayden. And if you can keep that secondary together, there could be some awesome things there. And finally, I just wanted to mention as well on the defensive line, you know, this is going to be an interesting position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, from what I've been able to see over the last week with some projections, I think, you know, Tyson Aluwalu bringing him back remains the best opportunity 
um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers to provide some assurance there. He's a 10th round draft pick in the, in round one, you know, from, you know, when he started out his career, he's got some great, um, you know, he did great for the Steelers last year. He's, he could be cheap for you. The only player I'd be really interested in because the Steelers won't have the money to splash the cash at this position um, you know, it would be potentially PJ Hall. Um, he played with the Texans last year and he's got some versatility on that line. Um, but whether you're willing to take that punt there, you know, in terms of what he can offer, I just like some of the speed he offers at the size. Um, in terms of his projection, that's going to be really interesting in terms of what he'll earn. I think you could pay him probably even less money than what um, Alawala was on, on incentive laden and, um, you know, potentially you know, backloaded deal. If you were to get him over two seasons and spread that hit there, make it low cut money. Um, you know, he made an average of 750,000 last year. He's much more interior there, but he's 26. So, you know, who knows what the Steelers could do with that there. Um, you know, he was a round two draft pick by the Raiders a couple of seasons ago, you know, so interesting what he could do there. I think he's, you know, roughly to be in that early 1 million mark in terms of this season. So, Let's see, but he'd be a player I'd be open to seeing how, to seeing the Steelers sign. But with that, that wraps up part one of, of this week's and the first Steelers War Room. Um, join us for part two where I'll get into everything draft focus. Um, we'll look at some key ways the Steelers can fill some key positions and team needs as, as we go through this offseason and get ready for a body chase in 2021. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back on Steelers War Room. I'm Matt Peverell, and I'm your host of this weekly show um, that looks at all the way that we can fill the Steelers' team needs, put you in that mindset of Omar Khan, you know, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, the Steelers organization, the scouting department, as we look to sort of tool up for a 2021 chase for that seventh Lombardi and, or, and you know, that AFC North divisional title, as we know the Bengals are coming on. We know the Ravens are, you know, always going to be up there and equally the Browns showed up in the playoffs last year to to put it on the Steelers and and how can we get that revenge in 2021 so look part two as I said we've moved over in in part one we've moved over to war room as our title and our focus in terms of being across the board bit of cap bit of draft bit of free agency bit of everything in between so I wanted to kick off this draft part um, by saying I've I've gone back and listened and, and because I'm such you know obviously I um, part of the BTSC family of podcasts. I occasionally write for behindthesteelcurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. 
I, I limited in what other media I can absorb because I always want to stay across what our network's got, you know, even though I'm a contributor I know, in, in that capacity with content, I, I love to see what everyone else is sort of talking about. But before I was listening, you know, to Behind the Steel Curtain and participating in the website and, and, and podcasting, and, and I've been part of the BTSC family for over three years now, you know, I'd often listened to for several years and before that I was listening to, you know, move the sticks with Bucky Brooks and Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah. And that really got me into the draft. And I wanted to pick up on an interesting insight um, that relates to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that was the talk about how many good pass catches there are at wide receiver in this year's draft. And we saw that last year as well, where there's this year, potentially even more potential first one or round one draft picks at the wide receiver position. Some of those guys will end up in round two, but there's such value through the, you know, particularly the first five to six rounds. Um, and we know the Steelers have been rumored to have talked to Anthony Schwartz as they would to talk to lots of different prospects at this time of year. Um, so, you know, I wanted to talk about this insight because the Steelers struggle to draft cornerbacks. And I picked up on a really interesting point when I was going back and listening to some key highlights from um, from their their podcast, um, you know, in terms of, of drafts and young players. And they were sort of talking about the fact that NFL teams are looking to draft six foot and above cornerbacks that are fast. And what they were saying was, it's very interesting the amount of young guys that go, I want to be a wide receiver and I want to score all the touchdowns and that's a really sexy thing. And, you know, I want to all get marketability and what have you. But then they talked about players like Deion Sanders and whatever, who could have played, you know, in different parts, of the, in a couple of different positions. And they were sort of saying like, there's money to be had if you're only a decent wide receiver. If you go in and learn how to play corner, get to the college level switch. You'd be surprised what you can do, but if you're six, four, sorry, over six foot, um, and, and you've got that speed, you do know how to catch, you, you know, you've got that quickness off the mark, that transition could end up putting you as a much higher draft pick and overall, you know, change the career you might have and then certainly change the monetary earnings at the start of your career. So that was an interesting insight because as we know, the Steelers struggle to draft at the cornerback position and equally, you know, I think it's, it's interesting that the, the lack of cornerbacks that we're seeing necessarily come through or with that top pedigree. But moving back to the Steelers. So interesting, well, as I was listening back to this, I was sort of listening and Bucky Brooks um, on February 5th in one of his mock drafts sort of talked about the, the Steelers drafting Nick Bolton, the linebacker out of Missouri. And I thought that was interesting because we've heard a lot recently in mock drafts where the Steelers are going to, you know, where the Steelers are projected, you know, and this is, these are very early as well, might I add. But, you know, the Steelers will be projected to draft in, you know, uh, the Tulsa linebacker, um, Zayvon Collins there. Interestingly, it was more from a Missouri, you know, Nick Bolton from Missouri previously. But that consensus there, and I don't think it's a surprise, the Steelers have taken a number of inside and outside linebackers in the in the last decade over the draft. But the fact that there seems to be a few different people calling this, I think makes it interesting. And I think, you know, there's obviously that need there. And, and I talk about Vince's $4 million from a cap perspective. How can we get younger at that position? You know, we, we've we got Spillane, who's an exclusive rights free agent. Obviously, the Steelers will look to retain him. Avery Williamson is in a free agent. And if you can save a couple of million there by not bringing him back, I do think it'd be worth doing it, potentially even over Vince. Um, you, need to, you need to supplement it in the draft. And, you know, often that gap between the, 
the first second two or three rounds of an inside linebacker versus the, what's in the fourth, the fifth and the sixth can be quite a wide, you know, chasm. So, you know, if the Steelers are going to do it, they need to draft with some pedigree. So I thought I'd cover that off first. The next piece I wanted to cover off is some of the mock drafts. Obviously we know the Steelers need help on the O-line. I thought what was interesting though, is the mock draft that's from that they that Darren, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks did together on February 19th, which replaced Jalen Mayfield um, there as the potential pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, with that, I sort of thought, okay, Jalen Mayfield, he's out of Michigan. He's a good play, he's a good player there. Um, you know, he's, he's actually been since projected to, to actually go to the Ravens in a more recent draft and, and, and Daniel Radun, if I think if I pronounce his name right, um, was projected to go to the Steelers. But right now the, the, according to NFL.com, Mayfield's bio is that Mayfield played right tackle for the Wolverines. He's a thick square build, plays with strength and balance in the passing game. He has average foot quickness in his set, but he does a nice job of staying square and keeping defenders off his edges. He will give little ground versus power before dropping his weight and anchoring down. His inside hand is powerful to jolt. He stays attached once he latches on. He's very aware versus twists and blitzes in the run game. He plays with leverage, strong hands, and a nasty temperament to finish. He lacks suddenness working up in the set to the second level but he takes excellent angles and is very effective. Overall, he doesn't have elite foot quickness, but he's very consistent and looks like a day one starting right tackle. Well, great, you say. The Pittsburgh Steelers need a right hand, a right tackle. The worry there for me, everything sounds great when I read through that sort of a bio. Um, and obviously tape's another thing to look at. But I worry about this second level. It's something that we know the Steelers have struggled with. Equally, do we need to spend a, a round one draft pick on that sort of player when you you might be bringing a Zach Banner um, back who's coming back from injury, veteran cheap, you know, he'd get a cheap deal there, you know, what have you. But to me, I like the sound of Mayfield. Equally, I do understand that sort of understanding that he might more be a, more be going to the Ravens later on, um, given that they need someone like Orlando Brown Jr. And you say, hang on that. How could he be going later on? Well, According to their latest production says um, that we might get Dylan, not Daniel, um, Radunz uh, from North Dakota State, um, who was the tackle. He was protecting Trey Lance, who we've talked about a lot um, across BTSC. And Radunz is a tall, lean left tackle. He has average foot quickness and athleticism, not sounding too good there. He's dependable in pass protection. He operates out of a wide stance and prefers to catch and absorb rather than punch and control. He has excellent awareness. You can see him pick up two free rushes against Central Arkansas on tape. He flashes the ability to redirect and recover when he's beaten down early in the run game. He excels on combo blocks and shows some nasty um, to finish at the point of attack. He needs to improve his hand usage and gain some strength, but he should emerge as a starting right tackle. Now that sounds pretty cool, but right now he's ranked 44 on the on their big board in terms of top 50 players. I like what he... this this. Pass protection piece seems to fit into where the Steelers might be. However, we know the Steelers need to improve their run game. So for me, I'm sitting there going, well, look, we should probably go after more of that Jalen Mayfield style player. Now, I agree with Dave Schofield. You can have a real problem when you fall in love with players in the draft process. And until they're drafted with a black and gold cap, they're not a Pittsburgh Steeler. And that makes it, you know, a, a real challenging one. But equally, we've got to get motivated. And... And you've got to, it's just such interesting stuff. And what I think it more shows is 
The Steelers have an opportunity at the 24th pick to pick an offensive lineman in a draft with really good offensive linemen, but they, they probably have an opportunity to pick a tackle that can be that anchor on the Steelers' offensive line for a long time. And by anchor, I mean on either side and protect the quarterback. Now, you know, when I look at, you know, Daniel, uh, sorry, I marked up the end there, Dylan from North Dakota State there, you know, he, the Steelers will be able to help him. If the, if the thing is he needs to get stronger and, you know, get improved technique, Steelers will be able to do that with their O-line. You know, we do we, we do have good O-line coaching and, and Clem's been well received in terms of stepping up to that O-line coach. Interestingly, the draft, that, the mock draft that said Jalen Mayfield would come to us had Landon Dickerson to the Chiefs. And we know the Chiefs throughout Super Bowl had massive issues with their O-line. We know that Landon Dickerson's had a lot of injuries and that's been putting him back into the second and, and potentially even third I stick by the comments I've made all the way through this off season. You can get a good center in the second and third round. You don't need to spend around one on him. But what I wanted to do this week as part of the first part of war room, and I'm going to do this each week is bring up my big board. So it's players at team need positions. The Pittsburgh Steelers might look to fill. Now I've done a lot of talking about draft, the first round draft, but so what the Pittsburgh Steelers have several other draft picks to make this year. They've got some compensatory picks. The moment they're projected to get one, it'll be in the fourth round. And that's for Javon Hargrave, um, according to over the cap. Um, but we've got nine picks at the moment. Um, so there could be that, it could be that other one there um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Now across those nine picks, there's a few different projections in terms of where the Steelers will be drafting, right? Now we don't know this until we get there. So I want to look at two players. One is going to be a player I'd love to see the Steelers draft, and I've mentioned him very briefly on a Steelers touchdown under before, and that's at the tight end position, as I alluded to in part one. And the second is a player that I feel the Pittsburgh Steelers may realistically actually draft this year and has, when I went through and did some background research, I found he was linked by one fan site um, late middle of last year as being a player to watch. So let's start off with the player I'd love them to sign. And that's Brevin Jordan. And Brevin Jordan plays um, there for Miami. Interestingly, the other player um, that I'm going to suggest also plays for Miami, Miami Hurricanes. Um, and so that, you know, you have to hold tight to see who that one is. But it's on the offensive side of football. And that's Brevin Jordan is a tight end. Um, he's an F-style tight end. Um, so very similar to what Ebron does. But equally, if you were to bring him in, imagine him learning behind Ebron for a year, you could even cut Ebron and support, you know, with a more blocking tight end in the in in um, free agency um, or that would still be around as well. You can do a few different things there. Um, but I'd love to pair them if you can and give Ben or whoever is going to be at the Steelers quarterback position Um you know, and and quite, I didn't get to cover in part one. Jacoby Brissett surprised me. Jacoby Brissett, who we know Canada has some has some background with, um, from North Dakota, um, from North Dakota, from NC, um, North Carolina. Um, he's apparently projected to be about a five million dollar contract. If Ben's not coming up back, imagine adding Brissett to the room of Rudolph and Haskins would give us some more sure backups. And I'd be open to seeing what those three quarterbacks can do, even if you get him on a one-year deal and pay him a bit more than that five million average. But anyway, going back to to Brevin Jordan in terms of the weapon he could be for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's six foot three, two hundred and forty-five pounds, um, pounds there. He played 
Um, he's played 26 games. In 2020, he played eight games, 38 receptions, 576 yards at 15.2 per catch, seven touchdowns. His athleticism is great. Receiving ability is great. He's competitive and he's tough. He's versatile. Sometimes he's... His strength needs a bit of work um, and his blocking technique needs improvement. Again, I think the Steelers are a team that can really teach blocking technique. I mean, if you look at how good Juju Smith-Schuster is at blocking, they can teach that to someone who's, you know, six foot three and, you know, plus 245 pounds. He's a starting offensive weapon in a 12-person personnel offense. Um, Played a number of roles for the Hurricanes. You know, he's very tough. And they've said that even though his blocking needs work, one of the one of the sort of um, outtakes on him is that he's a competitive, tough blocker. Um, and he needs to really work on those hands and that whole body movement and allow his base and, you know, knees to straighten um, at the moment, um, which is compromising his advantage. Um, he's got an overall grade, according to some people, of an 8.0. So obviously they're using a 10 scale there. Um, you know, He's really interesting in terms of the last two seasons where he's racked up over 1,500 receiving yards and 21 touchdowns. Um, you know, I, I sort of, when I look at that Carl Pitts is right now ranked as a top three player in the draft in terms of talent, um, not necessarily where he's going to get picked. And you look at Pat Freemuth as well out of Penn State. They're the guys that are getting a lot of attention. But Brevin Jordan's a sort of player that when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I said this on Touching Under on the weekend, Brevin Jordan is a sort of player that you could go back after a draft after a year or two and go, hang on, if we did a redraft, he'd be in the top 32. I really see that. Um, he's got a similar, he's compared to sort of Johnny Smith from a play type. I talked about that earlier. I talked about Johnny Smith this season on, on Touchdown Under when it was still a podcast um, before we went to the YouTube format and then podcasts that come off those YouTubes. Um, Johnny Smith, someone that people would love to get in free agency, he's probably going to get overpaid. If we can bring him in you know, through a draft, well, fantastic. Um, so that's really an interesting sort of piece there in terms of Brevin Jordan. And then he's a player that, you know, I think will be very interesting to see if the Steelers want to, want to bring in a tight end and will they bring that? There's a couple of other tight ends later on that I might preview as we get closer through the draft. Um, but I do really think that he'd be someone I'd really be open to taking. Now, there are other fits, you know, people have sort of said Cardinals can be interesting for him, the Saints, Carolina Panthers, Los Angeles Chargers. That's all well and good. But I personally think, um, you know, that when it comes to Brevin Jordan, the Steelers should be having a look at this player to get cheaper, younger, faster, and more effective at the position um, than what they've got in Eric Ebron right now. As I said, if you could understudy to Ebron for Ebron's final year of his deal in 2021, that'd be great. Quickly, I wanted to move on to another player, another Miami, Miami Hurricanes player, and, and I saw these guys very differently. I've liked Jordan for a while, but this one's Quincy Roche. And Quincy Roche, so the big Miami um, edge rusher that most people will be familiar with going into this draft it would be Jalen Phillips. Um, and he was projected to the Steelers go after Quincy, um, sorry, Jalen Phillips at 24. If he's still going to be there, he's probably going to get picked a bit earlier on from that. Um, so I wanted to have a look at, a look at him. Now he is a player that basically he's sort of rocketed up um, some of the charts as well in terms of where he could be picked. And a lot of that comes from the senior bowl. Um, he was one of the top 10 
players um, from some of the NFL.com observers and, you know, guys like Daniel Jeremiah coming out of the senior bowl in terms of playing well. He came into the week, according to them, he came into the week um, as an early day three, so rounds four to seven pick. He's probably pushed himself up to day two based on where his work at the senior, senior bowl. They were impressed with how he battled from rep to rep. He showed up in team drills. He has heavy hands and a motor that runs hot. That's pretty great for him. Um, from that perspective, but looking a bit further into him as well. Now he's six foot three, um, there or six foot two and seven eights. He's 243 pounds. And interestingly, when I was going back to some of the, um, they did a recent podcast over the last couple of days and they were sort of saying it's really hard right now because there's no combine, um, and they're waiting for pro days and there's not a lot of tape. There's a lot of guys, for instance, at outside linebacker or edge rush that, are all being listed as six foot three, 245 pounds. That's sort of perfect, the sort of standard sizing and weight that won't, some of them will be six one and a bit. Some of them will be six four and a bit. Some of them will be 225 and some of them will be 275 pounds. There's a bigger discrepancy here. And they said that's one of the hardest things about scouting. Um, but look, according to the stats that I've been able to pull, he's six foot two and seven eighths, 243 pounds, wingspan of 80 and three eighths, arm span of 32 inches. Um, big hands there. Um, he's been projected quite solidly um, as being that early day three and, and and potentially round two. You know, he's probably a three, four linebacker. Um, he's not really potentially going to line up in much coverage, but that fits, I think, what the Steelers could use him for to supplement and give rest to TJ Ward or Alex Highsmith. Um, he's been seen more as a fit for the Giants, Cardinals, Rams, and Falcons at three, four. But I really like what Quincy can do. I, I think Quincy offers some really interesting pieces there. He moved from Temple, um, where he played a couple of seasons, to getting into um, to getting into Miami. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what a player like where a player like Quincy Roche goes when it when it comes down to it, because you know he's he's one of those guys that people we look at Kevin Dotson. People went and when and you know he didn't even get invited to the combine, but his mate his mate on the other side of the offensive line there or next to him um, there was Robert Hunt who got picked up by Miami I think it was and invited to the combine for um you know, playing for Lafayette and when I look at that is Quincy going to be that same piece where you know you look at it and you go well hang on everyone's going to go after Jalen Phillips but what about Quincy Roche equally you could look at it. Was did Roche benefit from Jalen Phillips being on the other side? I like a bit of what I see on tape. I'm interested to see um, where he goes in terms of being drafted this this coming NFL draft. He could be an option for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We need depth at outside linebacker, and you know what? He's the sort of guy that that could do that for us. But with that, that wraps up Steelers War Room for this week. Join me next week, and who knows? We might even have a Big Ben contract. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.